Welcome back to another episode of an Athletic Life podcast, episode three. I'm your host, Schneef. Today, we got a guest who played Division II football, entered the transfer portal, found his way to a Division I roster. Former Western Illinois punter, Jack Belke. Jack, how you doing? Hey, Logan. Good to have you on with me today. How's my dog doing over there? Yeah, man, he's doing well. Um, your boy, uh, Edie's on the strength staff over here at NDSU. He's doing really well. So we got a couple of questions for you. Could you just um, – just, you know, take us through where you're from, what made you love football, kind of how you got into it. Gotcha. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I'm, like you said, I'm Jack Belke. I'm from Winnemingo, Minnesota, a small town, southeastern Minnesota. Kind of grew up about 15 miles south of the host here. He's from Cannon Falls, as a lot of people know. And yeah, you know, football's kind of been a crazy thing for me. Growing up, it was my least favorite sport. Um, I loved baseball. I still love baseball today. Love basketball, even though we were never very good. And football was just something that always stuck around. Um, you know, it ended up being my ticket to go play college and go attend college at Upper Iowa University, a Division II school. And pandemic, I had some eligibility, so I put my name in the transfer portal after I had a solid senior year and had about five or six Division One schools kind of talking to me. And then finally found the Missouri Valley's Western Illinois and I loved it. Uh, I just finished up my final year. So that now we're kind of just seeing around and seeing what happens from there. It's crazy the twists and turns that life takes. You said that, you know, football wasn't always your favorite sport. And now you're a potential 2023 NFL draft prospect, your camp invitee. So how does that make you feel is that it wasn't your first plan or it wasn't your first love, but now it could be your career? Yeah, like you said, it, you know, I dreaming, you know, I'm sitting in my room right now. I'm looking at all the Minnesota Twins stuff and I always wanted to be a pitcher for the Minnesota Twins. I always wanted to play in the Metrodome, play at Target Field. And, you know, I finally just two weeks ago went to my first ever Minnesota Vikings game. So, and my first ever college football game I ever went to was uh, when I was going to get looked at by Gus Davis. So football, I always loved it on Sundays watching it. But, you know, I'll be, I'll be honest, growing up fifth grade, I really didn't love the contact part of it. Sixth grade, I quit. Halfway through seventh grade, I finally decided to come back out. In eighth grade, I finally, you know, grew up a little bit and matured and took on the quarterback role at Kenny Wanamingo. And, you know, I just learned that, hey, football, it's a contact sport. Get in or get out. So I was able to finally adapt and grow up a little bit. Nice. So you said uh, when you were in the transfer portal, you had about five, you know, Division One schools talking to you, looking at you. Yep. Uh, what ultimately made you choose Western Illinois and if they weren't your, you know, biggest offer? Yep. Uh, well, Western Illinois – Right away, I looked at their schedule, and I'll be honest, week two at Minnesota. And uh, you're a Minnesota kid just like me, and, there's not, you know, you watch the Gophers. That's all you hear is the Gophers. Watch P.J. Flex stuff on the news. Like, you know, the Gophers, that's the Minnesota kids kind of dream school for most. I know, you know, for you, you went to NDSU, and you've had a lot of success there. But for me, I always wanted to be a Gopher, and I never got that opportunity. So the next best thing I thought was to play against them. Plus, then, yeah, you know, they're – go ahead. It was a fun game. You guys got to go to, I believe it's called Huntington Bank Stadium now, but week two, yep. you got to play in front of a, a bunch of your hometown fans. They had a big, uh, big support for you up at that game. So it must have been cool to have all these guys from your hometown supporting you and watching you on the big stage. Yep, that was uh, by far the best football experience I've ever had. Like, um, you know, they had, I think, 200 plus from Wanamingo and Kenyon and the surrounding towns come up and support me. So I'm very blessed for that. And, you know, we got to play on Big Ten Network. I think it had like 1.5 views or viewers for that game. I mean, we got destroyed. 1. We lost. 1.5 million. Yeah, million, yep. And we, we got destroyed. We lost by 52 points. But as a punter, you know you're in for a busy day when you're down by that much. So at least I got a lot of action. 
got a lot of good tape then on you, huh? Yep, not too bad. Had one had one shank a little bit, but I got a nice positive roll. So, you know, anytime you can have a 40-yard punt off a shank, you know, you got to be blessed for that. So somebody upstairs was helping me out on that day with that punt. But besides that, I thought I held myself pretty good up there. Absolutely. So you started at a D2 school, Upper Iowa. Um, then you transferred to the FCS Division One. What's the biggest difference for you between Division Two football and Division One football at the FCS level? I would say the speed and the strength. You know, when you play college football at any level, Division Three, Division Two, II, Division One, you're going to have great athletes. But each level, I just think that they're a little bit faster and they're a little bit stronger. You know, and I do think the closest jump is that Division Two to Division One. I mean, you've been at Division One your whole career, but you know, looking at my Division Two Upper Iowa team, you know, I think there's probably ten guys. 10 to 15 guys that could have played on any division one school that you just, you know, took the scholarship money or didn't want to just be a roster spot. They wanted to actually contribute. That's why they went D2. But I would say the size and the size, speed and strength, those three things, you know, are the big difference at from level to level. Yeah. And you talk about those kids that, you know, could have played at division one, but they wanted to contribute. They wanted to be on scholarship. Um, a lot of Minnesota guys do that, you know, good talent in Minnesota. So, you know, it's nice to see that you finally got your opportunity at a division one roster. Yep. Thanks. Yep. But yeah, just like you said, and now hopefully with St. Thomas now joining, you know, the FCS pioneer, that's just another outlook for Minnesota kids and small town Minnesota kids like you and I that are looking for, Hey, if the Gophers don't want me, maybe St. Thomas will, you know? So it's, I think it's a good move that St. Thomas now has been another outlook, you know, because even North Dakota state, you guys got two division one schools where at, you know, Minnesota, there was only just the powerhouse Gophers. So the more the merrier. Absolutely. Uh, the life of a punter. Um, the best. The, the best, best life. life. Some would say, right? Yeah. Uh, what yeah. does the practice look like for for you as a special special teams player? You know, special teams are for special players. So, yep. Uh, take us through the life of a punter at practice. All right. Well, you know, it kind of depends on the day of the week. Uh, Coach Prefer, my dog, he he was always gave me Wednesdays off for the most part. I mean, I'd hold for our field goal segments, but Wednesdays was my day to just kind of rest my leg. But We'll just say a Tuesday where it's a busy day for me. Go out to the field. I was usually the first person on the field 30 minutes beforehand. I'd have the whole field to myself to kind of punt with the whole field, work on, you know, my pinning inside the 10 or backed up punts. You know, I could do anything. And then as soon as practice would kind of come around, we'd have a 10-minute punt segment. So I'd probably get seven or eight reps. And then after that, we'd have field goals. So I'd get three or four reps. And then sometimes throughout practice, we might do like a mayday field goal or a backed up punt. So, you know, just to kind of sum it up, if practice is two and a half hours long, I'd say I'm actually punting 40 to 50 minutes and then maybe 20 minutes of just doing drill work, working on my drops, working on my steps, my directional stuff, cone work, ball contact work. I love a drill where I sit down on the bench and I, you know, I can't move my muscles and then just, just work on the drop to content point. So. Each day is a little bit different, but Tuesdays, those are my kind of busy days, and that's what I would do. We kind of have the same thing up here at NDSU. Um, you know, Tuesdays are a little bit more of the busier days, typically your longer practices, so that's when our specialists are getting a lot of their work in, too. Um, what's the culture like at Western Illinois? You know, why why should guys want to be a part of that program? Uh, you know, Western Illinois, it's, it's an interesting spot. You know, I've, I was only there for my one season. So, you know, but I was I was able to kind of obtain a lot of information and learn about it. It's kind of like that underdog spot. You know, you might, you and I, you're kind of the top of the Missouri Valley, you know, NDSU, they're a powerhouse in Division One. where uh, Western Illinois, they were really good from the late 90s and early 2000s. You know, they really kind of ran the 
conference and they had a lot of successful teams and draft picks and they were kind of that spot back in the day but you know now we've kind of we're rebuilding and we got a new coach we got a whole new coaching staff um i think those are the guys that are going to be successful one day but we're just kind of getting in that learning curve but also you got to love that underdog role you know my whole life you know i hate to say i've always been an underdog but at kenny and wanamingo we're one of the smaller schools in our conference and one of the smaller schools in southeastern minnesota and at Upper Iowa, we were the smallest school in the Northern Sun uh, Conference. And now at Western Illinois, we were probably the smallest school. So it hasn't really changed for me. It's kind of all I know is, you know, every single time you play a game, you're the underdog most of the time, which is which is a good spot to be in at times, you know, not having the pressure, being able to be loose. And, hey, we're not expected to win. Let's go shock some people. You know, there's nothing better than that. Yeah, you versus the world, right? Yeah. And, you know, you'd, you'd love to have the – high praise and the, you know, NDSU, you know, you guys have worked hard for that praise and, you know, that culture you've built. And I'm not saying that's not the culture Western Illinois doesn't want to get to one day, but you know, right now we're at a spot where, Hey, we know where we're at. We're going to go in every game, kind of be in the underdog and let's go make some noise. Embrace it. Right. Yep. So you did kind of mention that, you know, historically they have had a good program, the late nineties, early two thousands, they were, you know, the good football team in the Missouri Valley. So yep. what needs to happen to kind of kickstart that program and get back to the, the history that they have of winning? Yeah, you know, I think it's going to help with uh, Myers Hendrickson. This was his first season. He was a really good NAIA coach for the past three years. And, you know, his dad, he was kind of our specialist coach, Mark Hendrickson. You know, those two guys, he's from Macomb, which is the town Western Illinois is in. He played three years for Western Illinois. You know, he's he's the guy for the job, somebody who – cares about the culture, has seen what the culture has been like when it's good, has been a player in 2008 to 2011, I believe. So, like, you know, he's seen what it's what you got to be to be middle of the pack. Now he's seen after this past year, okay, what was the problems? Why were we the last of the pack? When my, when my dad was the coach, why were they the number one of the pack? You know, he's being that coach player and being from that hometown of Macomb, Illinois, you know, that's going to make a big difference. So I think just following the footsteps and him – riding the wave and trying to pull some big recruits is just going to make the big difference. Yeah. You know, for sure. Having a guy that, you know, has been there who cares about the program and who, who wants to bring success back to that university that I think that's going to go a long way for them and help them get back yeah. on the right track. And I think we, I mean, I've sent you kind of, you know, you and I, we Snapchat a lot and you know me, but I think we've got one of the nicer locker rooms, you know, in the conference, which helps, you know, people love that. They love the apparel. They love the gear. They love the locker rooms. We got a hot, we got hot tubs, we got cold tubs. You know, the one thing that I think that our university is lacking is our field is probably one of the worst fields in the Valley, but I think there's uh, plans on getting kind of a field upgraded. So, you know, all that stuff helps in pulling recruits one way instead of the other. Hey, why should we go to Western Illinois instead of Southern Illinois? Why should we go to Western Illinois instead of Illinois State or NDSU or SDSU or South Dakota, North Dakota? You know, all those things really play a factor. Absolutely. Um, could you bring us through your most memorable memorable game as a Leatherneck and as a Peacock? You know, what really stood out to, you know, at your time at both places? Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I'll just start with Upper Iowa. Probably was when we uh, played, I'll say when we played uh, Minnesota State Mankato. It was a home game. We uh, got destroyed uh, 63 or 62 to 0. But I punted like seven or eight times. I think I averaged over 41 or 42. I had a pretty solid day. But one of my punts, you know, the the returner fumbled it. We recovered the ball, which was a huge highlight of the game. And then we ran a fake punt where I completed the pass. So, 
you know, we lost 62 to zero after the game. They said, Hey, you were the player of the game. So as a punter to, you know, win player of the game versus, you know, I'm from Minnesota and a lot of people from Southeastern Minnesota go to Mankato or go to Winona state. So, you know, playing against one of those big dogs, who's a powerhouse in division two and having a good performance was something I'll never forget over there in Fayette, Iowa. And then for Western Illinois, you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta be the Minnesota game. Like you said, and like we talked about earlier, just playing, playing in front of, you know, 50,000 people in front of millions on TV, big 10 network, you know, my whole hometown was there. I look over pregame, I'm shaking PJ flex hand. I look to the right. He's, he's telling them to try to get a block on me. You know, I'll just never forget moments like that. But I also, we threw a fake or we did a fake field goal against Missouri state and, you know, I was able to complete the pass to my long snapper on punt, who was also a tight end. So that was a kind of a full circle moment. You know, he's always throwing balls to me for me to catch and for a fake punt or a fake field goal, I was able to throw him one for him to catch a touchdown. And he was a 60 year senior from Iowa. So it was kind of just a cool moment. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you get to do something other than punt, that's got to be exciting for you. Yep. Yep. You talked about playing quarterback a little bit. So you have that athletic ability that allows you to you know, throw or run if, if needed. How did that, you know, play into the, the fakes that were getting called at Western? Was, was that always a part of the game plan or did you just, uh, you know, tell them, Hey coach, I can do this if we need it. Yeah. It was uh, kind of a, kind of a funny story leading up to that question. Uh, you know, fall camp, that's your big time to make your moments. You know, who's going to be the guy they rely on. And the first 10 days of fall camp, there's four punters at Western Illinois. And I will say this, not one of us really had earned the spot yet. And our coach, kind of Coach Griefer, it's kind of a funny story. He got so frustrated with us four punters. He had two safeties punting. He said, boys, I'm serious. Somebody better take this job. Otherwise, I'm going to give it to somebody else. So that day uh, afterwards, he goes, let me see who can throw. And all four of us stood in the line and just started throwing 10-yard passes. And, you know, luckily I was getting a lot of spirals and hitting my target. And after practice that day, Coach Griefer grabbed me. He goes, this is your job. Now go take it so I don't have to give it to you. And, you know, that was just kind of an eye-opening experience, like, hey, no longer am I just a D2 guy. No longer am I just a small-town Minnesota, southern Minnesota guy. Like, the next couple of days I better wake up and show up to practice because the job's in my hands right now. I just got to go take it. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, having someone put their trust in you and kind of tell you that it's your job to lose, you know, kind of motivates yeah. you a little bit to keep performing every single day. Yep, and that's exactly what I needed, you know, coming into – Western Illinois, I was, you know, the D2 transfer where all those guys were other D1 punters. And, you know, a lot of them helped me along the way. But, you know, at that point in Division One, it's a business. You know it just like anybody else. At that level, it's all about money. It's all about wins. It's all about a business. So if, Absolutely. You're, uh, if you're in charge of your business, you want to have your best employee on an important job. So you just got to take that role and go with it. So thankfully, Prefer gave me that trust, and so did Coach Hendrickson. Recently, you've been getting some NFL attention. Uh, congratulations, by the way. Um, is that something that, you know, you had planned on at the start of the season? Or did that, you know, come after the season you realized, I actually have an opportunity of, you know, living out a lot of kids' dreams of playing football for a career? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm I'm blessed for, you know, the career I've had. You know, I could kind of, I hate to say it and not have that attitude, but like, you know, if, if I, I don't get anything more out of this, you know, I'm grateful for everything I've gotten. But like you said, you know, I've got some potential looks and I know it's still a long shot, but, you know, I'm going to pursue them here the next throughout this spring. And after the draft, uh, I went down to Texas for this college gridiron showcase where I was one of 15 punters selected for that thing down there. And, you know, I thought I did well with punting inside the 10 challenge. You know, some of those guys had a lot bigger legs than I did, but I felt like I held my own. 
I was with the guys from Baylor, Penn State, Texas, Oregon, and there were some other FCS small guys and a couple of D2 guys even from Texas. But, you know, with that, I was able to get some a little bit of looks. We'll see if anything comes from that. And right now I'm trying to get a pro day with the University of Minnesota, just another opportunity to compete in front of 32 NFL teams. So we'll see if I get that or not. But, you know, I'm, I'm excited. You know, it's every team's or every kid's dream, you know, to get notified or letters or messages from NFL teams that, hey, we're not saying we're going to draft you or anything, but you've made some noise and we're interested. We want to learn more about you. And that's exactly what the Kansas City Chiefs and the Indianapolis Colts have done. You know, they're just kind of feeling me out and saying, hey, let's learn more about your medical history, your personal background, you know, your grades, your how you are as a student, blah, blah, blah. So it's it's been an exciting time. And, you know, hopefully something comes up, but, you know, you never know with the NFL, especially as a punter. You know, you get you can get one punter on your team and one on your practice squad. It's not like a DB where there's eight of them or there's not four running backs. Punter is one of one. So, mm-hmm. and you talked about that showcase that you did in Fort Worth a little bit. Did you uh, did you get any relationships down there with you know some of those FBS guys or even some of those FCS guys down there that you expect to maintain? Um, you know, Barney Armour was a really nice guy out of Penn State. You know, he right away we were all pretty nervous, and you know, he kind of we were all talking. He goes, well, I punt in front of a hundred thousand people every, every weekend. This ain't nothing. You know, that puts things into perspective. You know, that guy, he's ready to go at any level and, you know, proven myself, I can handle punt in front of 50,000 people. Like I proved versus Minnesota too. So, you know, at the division one level, it's a big jump to the NFL, but at the same time, it isn't, it's still, you know, that expectation, it's still media cameras, pressure, good coaching, good schemes, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, the NFL is the NFL, though, and that's every kid's goal. So I'm going to see what happens, and hopefully I just get my shot. Probably won't get drafted, but hopefully I can, you know, use my film and stats from this season. We were the second-best punt team in the country. We allowed negative seven yards on 60 punts all season. Rutgers was the only team that beat us on that. So, you know, hopefully that, that shows that scouts and NFL teams, like, hey, this – punter he doesn't let returns go which is huge when you're trying to flip the field and those yards hidden yards are important of any game yeah so how are you continuing to prepare for the nfl in this offseason you know this this period where you know you're not at the Reese's senior bowl or you know you're not doing any of those bowl games how are you staying in shape keeping your leg up to to par yep in minnesota it was negative five today i'm not sure what it's like in north dakota probably negative 20 but you got to go to those domes. There's all those inflatable domes that are over these soccer and football fields. So I've been going to the Dundas Dome and I punt two or three times a week and, you know, I'm continuing to work out here at um, my local Kenny Mingo high school gym. So just, you know, getting ready and doing those small drills, you know, I got to get ready to run the 40 and the cone drill, the vertical jump, all those tests at uh, hopefully the university of Minnesota, if I can get into that pro day. Yeah. All those measurables, those are, those are big for NFL scouts. So, yep. you know, best of luck on those. Hopefully you can get into that, that pro day up at the Gophers. That would be nice for you to perform in front of all those NFL scouts. Yep. Um, we're going to shift back to college football a little bit. Uh, you know, this is something I ask all my guests. Uh, do you have a welcome to college football moment that kind of surprised you about college football? 100% do I, you know, <laughs> this is, uh, this is one of my favorite stories at Kenny Wanamingo. I never even punted. I punted like three times. I was the third string punter here, but I was the kicker my whole career. And when I got to Upper Iowa, they recruited me to be the kicker, not even a punter. I was just a solo kicker. First day of practice, I was the first one out at the field. 
you know, I'm having a good day. I'm making a 20 yarder. I back up 10, 30, back up 10, 40, 45 from the right hash, 47 from the left hash. I'm like, oh yeah, this is my team. I'm a freshman. You know, every, every freshman thinks their head is so big and that they're just going to walk into any school and be the guy, just like it was in high school, high school. Sure enough, Jonathan Argetta Herrera, my dog, he was the other freshman kicker. He shows up there. He bends over, stretches for about 20 steps, takes the kicking sticks from me and nails a 55-yarder right in my face. Goes back, 58-yarder. Goes to 60, nails it. 62-yarder, misses it, but it had the distance. And I, I was just barely making my 47, 46-yard field goals. And I just thought to myself, I better learn how to punt because I'm never going to kick here. About 20 minutes into my first day ever of Upper Iowa football, that happened. So that was uh, everybody gets their welcome to college moment. Mine uh, happened about 20 minutes in. So kind of opened your eyes a little bit to the world of college football. Yep. And then Johnny, he ended up, you know, he was, I was the backup. You know, I've been a red shirt. I was a backup. I had a season canceled because of COVID. And then my senior year, I finally got to play. So there, there were three years there where, you know, you do all the lifts, you do all the homework, you do all the studying, you show up to all the, workouts conditioning and you know just to see nothing from it it's really made this experience worth it and johnny had a good career he transferred and he played a little bit at uh, iowa state and then he kind of called her quits but you know he was a really special talent too and he did teach me a lot so 20 minutes into my career johnny johnny gave me a wake up hey you better not want to punt or kick here because i'm the kicker and it, it turned out to be a good move for both of us i think yeah um who's your favorite punter of all time uh probably johnny hecker just because, uh, you know, he was really successful with the Rams. You know, he's a guy who's got a big boot, but he also does a lot of fakes. He can throw it. He can run it. I believe he was he was kind of like me. He had some college quarterback looks, but he just kind of went back to the punting game. I think he punted at UCLA. I'm not sure, though. Some California school. But, you know, he just is a, he's a weapon back there, and he's going to pin you deep, but he could also fake you out and throw it and run it, and that's kind of the factors I like to have on my game, too. Plan. Or Pat McAfee, you can't, you can't, oh. you can't not talk about the goat Pat McAfee, especially on a podcast. He's Absolutely. the one. Besides this podcast, the only other podcast I listen to is Pat McAfee, so I gotta, gotta give some respect to him as well. Yeah, Pat McAfee is a legend amongst punters, you know, and just podcast hosts in general. He's a he's a great guy to listen to. He's a real comedian, also. So, you know, what are your plans after football? Say, you know either you are in the NFL or you're not. And once your time's done, you know, what do you plan on doing? What would be your dream job? Yeah. So my dream has always been to work for the Minnesota twins. And uh, thankfully I just got a job with them. Uh, I start here now in two weeks. Cause you know, like you said, everybody's got goals. Every college football player most likely is like, Hey, the NFL is potential, you know, especially at the division one level. And you know, I'm a realist, though. I know it's still a long shot, and I'm not banking on it, but I'm, I am going to pursue it a little bit. But I'll start with the Twins in February. I'll be the Twins production intern. I'll be in charge of people on the field pregame, national anthem, first pitch. I'll pick contestants for in-game contestants during, you know, like the seventh inning. And then afterwards, I'll kind of work with the Jumbotron with the advertisement and group outings. So I'm really excited for that. I love the Twins, and to say that they're going to pay me every day to go watch them and go to Target Field is some is a blessing for sure, but I'll, I'll do that while I continue to train and, you know, cause I won't really hear anything until after the draft. If you know, I get an invite to these mini camps or a rookie camp. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's all we got for you, Jack. Um, thank you for taking the time out of your, your schedule to sit down with us and talk a little bit and give our viewers a look at, you know, something other than NDSU football. I really yep. appreciate it. 
you got anything else you'd like to say? The floor is yours, just uh, to our viewers. Yeah, well, I'll just keep listening to my dog, Logan, here. He does a great job. He's, you know, this podcast is something I think is going to boom. I know there's only been three or four episodes, but hopefully it keeps going up and up. Uh, NDSU is lucky to have Logan. Southern Minnesota is lucky to have Logan. So he's a good guy and a pretty decent host. He's not the best Madden player, but, you know, he tries, <laughs> and that's all I can ask. But good to hear from you, Logan. Thanks again for having me on. Appreciate it. Take care, Jack. Yep. See ya. Thank you. All right, guys, that's it. Um, episode three. We have a, another guest lined up, Alyssa Fallon, Southern Illinois soccer player. We'll have her on sometime next week. Thank you for listening, and uh, have a great rest of your week.